Section two of Three Accounts of Peterloo by F. A. Bruton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The evidence of the Reverend Edward Stanley in the trial of an action for assault brought by Thomas Redford against Hugh Hornby Burley and others, members of the Manchester Yeomanry, before Mr. Justice Holroyd and a special jury at Lancaster on the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth of April, eighteen twenty two second day of the trial the reverend edward stanley examined by mr sergeant blackburn counsel for the plaintiff you i believe are the rector of alderley in cheshire i am brother to sir thomas stanley brother to sir john stanley on the sixteenth of august eighteen nineteen had you any business with mr buxton i had how far do you live from manchester between fifteen and sixteen miles you came into manchester on the morning about what time as near twelve o'clock as possible i entered mosley street in your passage up mosley street did you meet with any number of people i did walking walking in what manner they were coming down the street walking in a procession six or seven or eight abreast and arm in arm were you on horseback i was was there any interruption to your passage no should i explain tell us the reason as i was going down the street some persons on the pavement desired me i do not wish to know what the persons on the pavement desired you to do i do not wish you to tell us the conversation but simply to relate what happened i passed through them by their opening to give you way certainly did you go on that day to mr buxton's house and what time did you get there i got to mr buxton's house i should think a quarter after one did you go into a room where the magistrates were assembled i did how long did you remain there i should think about from eight to ten minutes during the time you were in the room did mr hunt arrive on the ground he was called mr hunt he was in a barouche and a multitude accompanying him a vast multitude i believe there was a cheer given by the populace at the time when he did arrive a tremendous shout did you remain in the room or did you go elsewhere i did not remain there i went into the room above it were there any other persons in the room besides you several did you see the manchester yeomanry come on to the ground i did and form in front of mr buxton's house they formed with their left flank a little to the right of the special constables and a few yards to the right of mr buxton's house you say to the left of the line of special constables their left flank was on the right of mr buxton's house you saw the line of constables where did it extend to it extended from the door of mr buxton's house apparently up to the hustings was there more than one line of constables there were two lines of constables what was the interval between them near mr buxton's house and the mob three or four feet afterwards the line was closed by the pressure of the mob expanding again when they came near the hustings according to my observation to the best of my judgment such is the impression on my mind of course you saw the people collected certainly in a large mass in a very large mass what was it enabled you to distinguish the special constables from the rest they were superior dressed people had their hats on and their staffs were constantly appearing and they were nearer the hustings and the people round the hustings had their hats off my general impression is all to speak accurately the people on this side of the area of st peter's field were not so numerous there were more stragglers and no crowd you saw colours and caps of liberty on the ground i did 
what number of either the one or the other perhaps you do not distinctly recollect i cannot say you heard mr hunt speak no i could just hear his voice but i was not able to distinguish what he said how long had that taken place before you saw the cavalry advance towards the hustings from their halt i should think three minutes from the time you heard mr hunt not from the time i heard mr hunt he was speaking before i arrived then from the time of the halt two or three minutes when you saw them advance towards the hustings with what speed did they go they were formed in an irregular mass those on the left advanced in some sort of order they went on at first for a few paces at no very quick pace but they soon increased their speed till it became a sort of rush or race amongst them all towards the hustings did you observe the effect that this had upon the people whether it caused them to disperse or not they could not disperse instantly but on the outside of them on the right in front of the hustings they immediately began to melt away as it were as far as they could at the extreme the outward edge of the meeting the outward edge in front of the hustings did you observe the cavalry when they got first among the thick part of the meeting their speed was diminished as soon as they came in contact with the dense mob well but they worked their way to the hustings still as fast under existing circumstances as they could from the place in which you were i believe you had a very commanding view of the hustings i looked down upon it like a map i understood you you had also been in a room below that and looked through there i had which in your opinion was the better place for a correct observation of what passed after the meeting decidedly the highest room did you watch the advance of the cavalry from their place up to the hustings i did did you see either sticks or stones or anything of the kind used against the cavalry in their advance up to the hustings certainly not did you see any resistance whatever to the cavalry except the thickness of the meeting none do i understand you to say you saw them surround the hustings or not surround i could not say for the other side of the hustings of course was partially eclipsed by the people upon it but you saw them encircle part encircle part did you see what was done when they got there yes will you tell us what it was that you saw done i saw the swords up and down the orators tumbled or thrown over and the mob dispersed in your judgment what length of time elapsed between the cavalry first setting off into the meeting and the time of their complete dispersion starting from their halt to the complete dispersion of the meeting i should think from three to five minutes but i cannot speak to a minute in your judgment it took from three to five minutes you did not observe it by a watch no did you see any other troops come into the field i did what were they mr justice holroyd he says he saw what mr sergeant blackburn other troops come into the field when was it that you saw them come into the field when the mob around the hustings were dispersing rapidly and i think mr hunt was taken off what were those troops that you saw come into the ground then first came in on the left of mr buxton's row of houses the cheshire yeomanry who filed to the left mr justice holroyd you mean to the left looking from the house then from the house mr sergeant blackburn where did the cheshire yeomanry take up their position when they came on the ground they took up their position in the rear of the hustings rather in advance i think of some mounds of earth do you know windmill street i know no street you don't know its name i know no name you say near a rising ground there is a sort of little elevated bank or ground had the multitude from that part been dispersed 
the multitude in the rear were pretty much as they had been at first i think they were dispersing but not so rapidly do you mean in the rear of the cavalry in the rear of the hustings the cheshire yeomanry's position was in the rear of the hustings part near amongst these people what other troops beside the cheshire yeomanry did you see come on to the ground soon after the cheshire yeomanry had come in and taken their position a troop of dragoons i think the fifteenth came in under the windows of mr buxton's house you say you think they were the fifteenth hussars they were called the fifteenth dragoons they had waterloo medals where did they take up their position mr justice holroyd near mr buxton's house he said mr sergeant blackburn did they continue there they halted or paused for a moment or so a little to the left of mr buxton's house a very little to the left almost in front inclining to the left what others did you see come on the ground besides them and the cheshire yeomanry at the close of the business i saw some artillery driving through the place was there any other besides those that you saw take up any position on the ground none on the ground at this time was the whole of the multitude dispersed it was dispersing most rapidly i may say dispersed except in partial spots after leaving the hustings to which part of the field did the manchester yeomanry go to all parts i think more behind the hustings and on the right they did not come back to me so much do you know the quakers meeting-house i have heard where it is since then i did not know was it that way that they went if you could point out in a plan the quakers meeting-house i could tell you if they went that road there is the quakers meeting-house you will see written on the plan some went that way some of the people too dispersed in that direction did they the people dispersed in every direction i am not sure whether i asked you before whether from your situation in this window if any stones or brickbats or sticks had been raised against the cavalry on their way to the hustings you must have seen it i think i must have seen it cross-examined by mr sergeant hullock will you venture to swear mr stanley that no stones nor brickbats would be thrown during the advance of the cavalry towards the hustings without your perceiving it i could only venture to say that i saw none i believe you have favoured the public with an account of this transaction no i have not you printed or wrote something it was in circulation among my friends i wrote something which was never published there was a document written by you circulated among your friends among my friends before that time had you seen yourself and read any publication either in manuscript or print on this subject i had read the reports in some papers naturally after that time and i might have seen a pamphlet printed at manchester then you had seen several accounts which had been given to the world before you wrote yes i saw the reports of the papers immediately after the meeting whose account did you see besides the reports in the paper and mr phillips you it seemed entertained a different view of the transactions that had taken place upon this day from those which had been given to the world before that time i do not know i should say a different view from some perhaps and coinciding with the views of others coinciding with the views of some and differing from the views of others respecting stones no matter what you are a magistrate i understand i am not of neither cheshire nor lancashire no i beg your pardon you however were in the magistrate's room i think you said at mr buxton's i was of course you had an acquaintance with the gentlemen who were there assembled as acting magistrates of the committee for the counties of chester and lancaster with two or three i had probably upon terms of intimacy with one of them 
certainly was that gentleman there at the time he was did it occur to your mind at the time that the cavalry were sent for because you went back to a window and saw the messenger crossing the field for the purpose of bringing them to the place and were told or heard there was a rumour in the room above that the cavalry had been sent for did it occur attend to my question to you at that time from the observations which you had made on the subject that that step was improper or premature i don't think it occurred to me either one way or the other am i to understand from that then that you exercised no judgment upon the subject at that time i certainly did exercise some judgment some opinion on it at that time having exercised some judgment upon the subject i ask you whether in your judgment such as you exercised upon that point the step was either improper or premature i saw no necessity for it then you deemed it premature i saw no necessity for it it struck you then as an unnecessary act certainly then you would go down of course immediately and speak to your friend upon the subject no nor ever express to that friend or to any other at the time your opinion with respect to the impropriety of the step i had no other friend to speak to did you speak to him i did not go down into the room again probably you might being a gentleman of considerable acquaintance meet with some friend on going home and might ride home with some gentleman at least part of the road part of the road i did mr markland i presume i overtook mr markland did you express any opinion to mr markland upon these proceedings probably i did but i have not the most distant recollection i ask you upon your oath mr stanley if you did not express to him your entire concurrence in and approbation of the measures adopted by the magistrates i answer upon my oath that i do not recollect having said any such thing can you tell me whether you expressed any disapprobation of the measures which it had been deemed necessary to adopt i have no recollection whatever of the conversation then you mean to represent to us now that your feelings upon the subject were so indifferent that you cannot tell now whether you approved or disapproved of these steps at the time i have not the most distant recollection of any conversation i had with mr markland that is not an answer to my question i ask you whether you mean to state that at this time you don't remember whether you entertained feelings of approbation or disapprobation of those steps i thought it was a dreadful occurrence but i hope that there were some grounds for it mr justice holroyd you are speaking of what you thought it was an answer to the question mr sergeant hullock i am speaking of what you thought then as i understand you you cannot recall to your recollection the impression under which you laboured at the time you travelled home with mr markland i thought it a dreadful occurrence but i hope there were grounds for it did you mention that to mr markland i cannot recollect it is very important that i should endeavour to extract from you mr stanley without meaning the slightest disrespect to you every fact within your knowledge on the subject you say that after the meeting had been dispersed the first cavalry that came on the ground was the cheshire yeomanry not after the meeting had dispersed but whilst in progress to dispersion do you mean to state now to the best of your recollection that the cheshire yeomanry were the first cavalry advancing on the ground after that it depends on what you call the ground the cheshire yeomanry were the first after the manchester cavalry that advanced at the left tell me according to the best of your recollection which of these troops came first upon the ground the cheshire yeomanry but you will observe that at this time the disposition of the hustings occupied a good deal of my attention and i did not expect the others 
the cheshire yeomanry came over broken and uneven ground i cannot tell i observe that you used the word apparently twice in answer to two questions which were put to you which were a repetition of the same question whether the two lines of constables surrounded the hustings or not i think you said that they apparently did apparently they did mr justice holroyd surround the hustings apparently mr sergeant hullock do you mean to state then that in your judgment the avenue which was formed by the two lines of constables extended from the house to the hustings at that time the impression on my mind was and it now is that it certainly did but of course you won't swear that it did i cannot swear i can only speak of the impression on my mind in the same way that you swear to the existence of brickbats and stones to the non-existence i think you say that you saw hunt come upon the ground i saw the barouche you saw the ladies and gentlemen both did you see any female i saw a female what was her use i have no conception of that mr justice holroyd of what mr sergeant hullock i asked whether she was for use or show you did not know any of the parties inside i had not the most distant knowledge of them you had heard of carlyle i heard of him in london you have heard since that he was in manchester that day i have heard it to-day in the course of another examination i never heard it before hunt when he saw the cavalry coming i think intimated his knowledge his cognizance of the fact by desiring them to give three cheers i could not hear there was some cheering given there was a very loud cheer from the hustings from all the mob you say when he was addressing the mob you did not hear his words Quote, but i think whatever his words were they excited a shout from those immediately about him which was re-echoed with fearful animation by the rest of the multitude certainly that is the impression on my mind those were my own words it was tremendous the shout it was not so tremendous as the shout with which hunt was received on the ground the first was the loudest shout and the most appalling the first when hunt was received on the ground i never heard so loud a shout terrific was your word i should say terrific you say that the people who were immediately contiguous to the hustings heard what hunt said i cannot say you inferred that from their shouting certainly then that shout was re-echoed by the mob at a distance i conceived so what proportion do you think of the mass of the people with their eyes up and mouths open looking at that man during the time could hear one word he said i should think no one beyond ten yards from the hustings in the bustle of such a day that is guess i dare say it is a good guess too how do you think they would carry the resolutions at the outside at the right flank the left flank and beyond the ten yards upon the propositions made by this orator i have no opinion to give about that it certainly is a difficult point it appeared to you that hunt as far as his voice could reach had a pretty absolute control over his friends they shouted as he spoke it appeared that he was commander-in-chief the thing never occurred to me i cannot speak positively have not you an opinion that he was head and leader of the party my opinion certainly is that he was and now i will ask you this question as a clergyman and as a man of character which i believe you to be i ask you upon your oath whether in your judgment the public tranquillity and the peace of manchester were not endangered by a mob of that description composed in that manner and having such a man as hunt at its head hunt and carlyle for instance hunt and carlyle are dangerous people 
and any mob under their control must be dangerous re-examined by mr sergeant blackburn do you know mr stanley whether this meeting was under the command of either hunt or carlyle no when you say that there was a shout given on the manchester yeomanry coming into the field was there any other shout besides that given by the multitude there was whose shout was that the manchester yeomanry the special constables and the people round the pavement in front of our house may i ask whether you were terrified by those shouts personally certainly not mr justice holroyd explain what you mean by that i myself was not alarmed about them mr sergeant blackburn and whether it did not create terror and alarm not to me individually certainly not you have said that you presented a description of what you saw at the meeting to some of your friends i did how soon was that written after the meeting i can scarcely say i should think perhaps two months but i cannot speak accurately it was when the impression was clear on my mind clear and fresh in your recollection will you have the goodness to tell me whether you heard or saw any person read the riot act i neither heard it read nor saw it read mr sergeant hullock if it was read you did not hear it i did not hear it if it should turn out to have been read and read loudly there might have been something else done but that is conclusion that is reason mr evans your lordship has on your note that mckennell said that he did not hear the riot act read footnote mr sergeant cross he said so mr justice holroyd yes i have mr sergeant blackburn then that is my case my lord footnote in the copy of farquharson's verbatim report of the trial which is preserved at the reference library manchester this not is omitted the omission is of course due to a misprint and someone has inserted not in pencil similarly in my own copy of farquharson's report someone has inserted the not in ink macdonnell in his state trials inserted the not mr mckennell's evidence as reported in farquharson is as follows pages one six nine one seventy he was cross-examined by mr sergeant hullock by whom was the riot act read i never heard it read you heard no such thing i did not end of section two